Good afternoon and welcome back to the Sunday School Podcast, the pod all about digging deeper into the Bible using social, historical, and scientific context. I'm Sean Parker and today we're going to ask and hopefully answer the question, is there evidence for Jesus? Christianity hinges on the birth, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus. Unfortunately, we don't have any podcasts or YouTube videos of Jesus from the first century AD. So there's still an element of faith that must be held, but there's also a good amount of evidence that Jesus actually existed. In my opinion, risking an eternity of damnation requires a lot more faith than devoting yourself to a God that brings your life joy and fulfillment. But for those who lack that faith, hopefully some historical evidence could help. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We publish new episodes every Sunday covering a variety of biblical topics, and your support can help this podcast grow and reach more people. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 14 through 18 says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Obviously, Jesus' existence is pretty pivotal to Christianity. Many skeptics say that he never existed, uh, that there is no evidence, but we will see that that just isn't true. I can personally say that the change Jesus has instituted in my life is enough evidence for me, but I understand that some people need more than that. So let's begin by looking at literary evidence. Uh, For starters, we have the Bible. One might call the Bible biased, but by definition, it is a primary source. It holds eyewitness accounts to the events of Jesus' life. And most of the books of the New Testament were written by those that were with him, the apostles. So we have firsthand eyewitnesses, and you don't see many scholars or other people try to refute the existence of the apostles. There's a lot out there that, that shows that these were real people. So we have their books and their accounts that they wrote of Jesus' life that, you know, should be taken into consideration. And as far as the Bible is concerned, I've discussed in a previous episode the Bible's reliability. It's a historical document just like any other and should be treated as such. Now, some may say that the apostles made up the entire New Testament, uh, but if this is so, it's kind of hard to believe that they would have hung on to their beliefs for so long. Uh, They didn't gain very much if they were telling a lie, so it wasn't for monetary gain. Um, They did receive some notoriety and fame, so, you know, maybe that would be what they were going after. But I don't know anybody that would take that gain in the face of all the persecution and opposition they faced. I mean, these men were beaten, they were jailed, and almost all of them were eventually martyred. So, you know, who would, who would, continue on in a lie up until the point that they are crucified or tortured or killed in some horrible manner without telling people that this was all a lie. So that makes no sense to me. So clearly the apostles believed that Jesus was the son of God come to earth. So I think that their word can be trusted, but you know, there's, there's still skeptics. So let's, let's look at, uh, at some of the other evidence. 
still within the Bible. The apostles' accounts seem to corroborate each other. Uh, one thing that almost counterintuitively affirms their authenticity is the differences between them. If they were all exactly the same, you know, we could conclude that these books were copied from each other. But since all the books were different, you know, that makes sense that they were written by different people who had independent perspectives and views. If you and I witness the same baseball game and then go back to tell a recap on it, you know, I may focus on the incredible pitching, but you want to talk about the amazing home runs that were hit. So we're going to have different points of view and we're still telling the same story. If we were both concentrating on the same thing, you know, maybe we're copying each other. So that really gives a lot of weight to what the apostles were were writing. Uh, the time that the gospels were written were also within a time frame that the authors would have been alive and it would have been shortly after Jesus' ministry. So it, it fits the time frame of of Jesus' death and then the apostles carrying forward Christianity and, and writing the gospels chronicling Jesus' life. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all predict the fall of the Jerusalem temple, yet none of them mention the fall actually occurring, which would be very strange if the temple's fall had occurred during the time that the Gospels were written. Uh, the fall of, of the temple in Jerusalem was about AD 70. So we know that the Gospels were most likely completed before that time. And we know that Jesus' crucifixion would have occurred around 30 AD. So this is within 30 years or so from Jesus' crucifixion to these Gospels being written, at least Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke. So, you know, that's the Bible's account. And the, there's, you know, plenty more uh, ways that, you know, the, the Gospels confirm each other. And you have all this other stuff within the Bible that affirms that what was written in it is true and can't be refuted. But let's put aside the biblical accounts and look more at the external and non-Christian sources. So the first one that comes to mind is a historian named Thallus. He wrote about an unusual darkness that occurred when Jesus was crucified. Uh, this points to the authenticity of Jesus, but also corroborates the words of Matthew twenty-seven forty-five that say, Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. So Thallus is just a, a historian writing about this unusual darkness that overcame the land. And he tried to explain it away as an eclipse, but it really matched what Matthew was saying occurred at Jesus' death. So it, it's an important source because not only does it affirm that Jesus was real, that, you know, it didn't try to deny it, but more importantly, it shows a miraculous event and, you know, yes, it tried to explain it with secular worldviews, but it confirms that what the Bible said happened actually happened, according to this historian. So next, we have a Roman historian named Suetonius. Uh, he wrote about Jews being expelled from Rome during Claudius' reign for rioting in the name of Crestus. Uh, if this Crestus were just a misnomer for Christ then the writing would match up with what Luke says in Acts 18, verses 1 and 2. 
After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. So this affirms that there was an expelling of the Jews from Rome by Claudius, and uh, you know the writings from Suetonius say that it was as a result of this Christus and not being a Christian or Jewish or, you know, familiar with the terminology, it would make sense that he would, you know, mistake Christ for Christus, which would have been a more common Gentile word. Now, if we go on near the end of the second century AD, there's a philosopher named Celsus, uh, and he wrote what he felt was a refutation to Christianity. So this is a really neat source because the historian was clearly biased against Jesus, yet his bias affirms that Jesus existed, kind of goes against what he was trying to attempt. Uh, He writes about Jesus and the miracles he performs, but calls him a sorcerer. He tries to discredit the source of his power, that being God, But he never once tries to discredit that he exists, which would have been his first attempt if he didn't believe that Jesus existed. So he didn't even try that. He accepted Jesus was real. And he also, in his writings, accepted that Jesus was a miracle worker. But he tried to assign them a darker motive. And so I I think it's a great source that we can use to affirm that Jesus was real. So next we have Lucian of Samosata. He wrote about the philosopher Peregrinus. During his writings, he mentions that Peregrinus was brought to ruin by Christians. He says that other whom Christians still worship, the man who was crucified in Palestine because he introduced this new cult into the world. So, you know, he's writing a satire about this guy named Peregrinus uh, and says that as Peregrinus is traveling and he's taken in by these Christians, it It kind of corrupts him and leads him away from his belief in all these other gods. And he's saying it's a result of these Christians who followed the man who was crucified in Palestine. So not really intending to do this, but he confirms that there was a Jesus. Christians followed him and he was crucified in Palestine. So, you know, it's it's another great source from a secular worldview that is confirming what Christians know to be the truth. Now, another great secondary source comes from the Roman historian Tacitus. Uh, He wrote, Therefore, to squelch the rumor that the burning of Rome had taken place by Nero's own order, Nero supplied as culprits and punished in the most extraordinary fashion those hated for their vice, whom the crowd called Christians. Christus, the author of their name had suffered the death penalty during the reign of Tiberius by sentence of the procurator Pontius Pilate. The pernicious superstition was checked for a time, only to break out once more, not merely in Judea, the origin of the evil, but in the capital itself, where all things horrible and shameful collect and are practiced. So this shows that the Gospels were accurate in their account that Jesus died under the reign of Tiberius when Pilate was the prefect. I want to pause here a second and tell you about Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is a hosting service for podcasts. As a first-time podcaster, using Buzzsprout has made the process extremely simple. 
All you need is a quiet place and things you probably already have. If you want to upgrade, Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help you find the right equipment at the right price. You'll get a great-looking podcast website as well. Following the link in the episode description lets Buzzsprout know we sent you. We'll get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, I highly recommend you give Buzzsprout a try. So lastly, among the literary historical documents, we have the accounts of Josephus. He wrote the Testimonium Flavianum. Uh, Josephus was a Jewish historian or a Roman historian that that wrote about the Jews. Uh, And he wrote, About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man, for he was one who wrought surprising feats and was a teacher of such people as accepted the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Messiah. When Pilate, upon hearing him accused by men of the highest standing among us, had condemned him to be crucified, those who had in the first place come to love him did not give up their affection for him. On the third day he appeared to them, restored to life, for the prophets of God had prophesied these and countless other marvelous things about him, and the tribe of the Christians, so called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. Now, Being transparent and honest here, there are some issues with this statement. It appears that some early Christians inserted some language into this writing. Uh, There are several statements that would be uniquely Christian that wouldn't really be attributable to Josephus. If indeed one ought to call him a man, for instance, pointing to Jesus' deity, he was the Messiah. It would have been strange for Josephus to make that statement. Uh, you know, Messiah was a Jewish term and he wouldn't be using it in this case. And, you know, lastly, it says on the third day, he appeared to them restored to life for the prophets of God had prophesied these and countless other marvelous things about him. So there's some inconsistencies, but if you remove those obviously interpolated statements, you're left with what would have made sense for Josephus to write. The corrected writing would read as, About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, for he was one who wrought surprising feats and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. When Pilate, upon hearing him accused by men of the highest standing among us, had condemned him to be crucified, those who had in the first place come to love him did not give up their affection for him, and the tribe of the Christians so called after him has still to this day not disappeared. Now there's support. Uh, for the reconstructed version. An Arabic translation was actually discovered that closely matched this other version and and took out the the Christian writings that were put into it. Uh, And Josephus' other writings align well with this reconstructed version. He wrote elsewhere that there was a man named James who was killed, who was the brother of Jesus. So he acknowledged Jesus and acknowledged that he had a brother named James and and all these other things. And it matches better with this other writing. But if this is the case, we have further historical evidence that Jesus existed, performed miracles, and was crucified. Now, aside from literary evidence, there is some archaeological evidence, though not very much. Um, you don't have any Jesus was here spray paint on on ancient Israel walls, but every major city mentioned in the Gospels and Acts 
have been discovered and excavated. This gives weight to the validity of these works, thus supporting the rest of their claims as they regard Jesus. You know, these are trustworthy sources. We've already seen that Tiberius and Pilate and all these cities have been affirmed in the writings. So it it just makes sense that the other things that they were writing were true as well. But at the end of the day, most religious and secular scholars feel it can be reliably believed that Jesus existed. You know, though they may differ on whether he was God come to earth or not, uh, you know, that that's still the problem. But they pretty much agree Jesus was real and he was a man that came to earth. Now, those of us with faith can believe that Jesus came without evidence, but it's not unreasonable to want evidence. God gave us reason. He gave us understanding. You know, being intellectual beings, we want to see that God's word rings true. Seeing that there is no evidence denying the existence of God and rather affirming it helps us to see that God's promises can be trusted. We can trust that we serve a living God, a God that came and suffered as we suffer, was tempted as we're tempted. But unlike us, Jesus overcame that temptation. He lived a perfect life and eventually died as a restitution for our sin debt. He didn't have to suffer on the cross for the remission of our sins. He could have called 10,000 angels, as the song says, to come and save him. But instead, he suffered and died for you and me. And I'm so grateful that Jesus lived. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to leave a review on whatever player you use to listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. New episodes are released every Sunday. God bless.